The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 23, and can be found on page 966 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there having been warned in a dream he withdrew to the district of galilee and he went and lived in a town called nazareth so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a nazarene this is the word of the lord Thanks be to God.
Thanks so much, Sylvia, for reading. Uh, what a dramatic story it is. I'm going to pray uh, as we begin, and then we'll look at it together. Heavenly Father, we pray that these words might be tidings of comfort and joy for us this Christmas Eve night. We pray. Amen. Now, we are looking at this um, passage. Uh, here we are on the night uh, of uh, before Christmas, so to speak, Christmas Eve night. Um, and we're looking at perhaps a story that might be less familiar to us. Perhaps you might call it the other night of Christmas. Uh, the night in which uh, Jesus as a baby uh, and uh, Mary, his mother, and Joseph uh, found that they had to flee quickly and get out of where they were and make their way uh, to Egypt. When they had gone, uh, our passage began, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. It's full of urgency. Um, Stay there until I tell you. Uh, Imagine if you now, somebody came in and told us that we had to leave this place. We had to flee this night. We had to get up and go. It's a bit like that. It would have that kind of drama. If you were, all the things you've got planned at home and would be planning to do, you would leave them behind and make your way uh, and head out. And it's full of danger and, um, uh, and real edge, if you like, uh, as it goes on. Stay there until I tell you, the angel said, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Uh, here was Herod, threatened by this new king and seeking to kill him, searching for a young boy, one who could be put to death so that there would be no rival to him. So it's a a dramatic night, it's full of um, uh, danger, and I guess we might say as we look around our world at the moment, sadly, it's also got quite a modern ring to it, if you think about it for a moment. Here is a tyrant ruler, here is somebody uh, wanting to to kill uh, people indiscriminately. Um, I have been um, enjoying and uh, and have finished reading recently um, Michelle Obama's uh, new um, uh, autobiography, the story of uh, her life um, and, of course, of, of the life of being a first lady. Um, and she talks about um, their, uh, well, she talks about the, the, the progress they made towards politics and towards the White House, but she talks for some time about their re election uh, the second time around. Obviously, there was lots of joy in that for them, it was, uh, it was something they, they worked very hard for. But she describes how just a few days after the celebration of that election came the events at Sandy Hook, which you may remember, one of the terrible um, mass shootings of young people. Uh, It was followed in quite a sort of melancholy way. She writes about actually there were a series of of, uh, indiscriminate shootings that seemed to happen uh, over time in the uh, couple of years after that re-election. And they found themselves uh, mourning with those uh, in America who'd lost loved ones. And she describes particularly uh, the, the Charleston church shootings that happened a couple of years later. And to go and be present somewhere where young people had died, where people had been killed, where do you find hope in that, she asks. How do you bring hope to that? Well, we're going to look 
at this story here and this story of a flight to Egypt and the loss of life for those who were, uh, who were killed and ask ourselves, well, is th- what hope is there? Why has Matthew brought us this part of the story? And how might it actually bring us hope uh, this evening, this Christmas night? The two things that I want to talk about as we look at this are, are this, that this. The reason I think we're told this story in this way about this particular event in the early life of Jesus uh, is that firstly, Jesus is one of us. Jesus is one of us. And secondly, we'll see Jesus, Jesus is hope for us. Jesus is hope for us. So um, we'll look at those two. Um, what happens as uh, we're told, if I just read it on a little bit, um, verse 14, so he got up, he took the child, this is Joseph, and his mother during the night. They left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. So they waited it out. Uh, in Egypt. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Herod realizes that he's been outwitted by the Magi, he's furious, um, and he gives orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he'd learned from the Magi. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Jesus is one of us. What uh, the writer of the the scriptures is saying here is that Jesus identifies with humanity. He identifies with our plight in its its varied ways. And he brings onto uh, the stage, if you like, two prophets from the Old Testament, two writers from many um, hundreds of years before, uh, who spoke of different events in the life of God's people. And he has in mind the experience of God's people, the experience of uh, humanity, and as it had unfolded with God's people. Those two prophets are called Hosea and Jeremiah, and both of them are speaking about, if you like, two of the really key events uh, in God's people's history. Uh, one is uh, Egypt. Uh, one is Egypt um, and the experience that God's people had had as slaves uh, in the place of Egypt. Uh, the other is uh, the experience of exile. Um, now, exile had happened later on, and it had happened when God's people, uh, having had uh, a, a period of flourishing under kings of their own, they were then overtaken uh, and attacked by um, other nations and taken off into exile. They were, they were led away in captivity. These are the two, they're the biggest moments in some ways of God's people's history. I don't know what, depending on the nation that you're from, I don't know what the kind of pivotal events would be for your nation. So as a world, even if we looked back at uh, the last century, the, the 20th century, we would probably all point to the, the, the experiences of the two world wars, perhaps, as being the pivotal moments in history for those people. Uh, if, you were, if you're somebody like me who has quite an eye on English history, Um, If you were looking at the English nation, you might say, well, perhaps you'd look at the reigns of Elizabeth I and Queen Victoria as being key moments in the history of the English people. Uh, But depending on the nation you're from, I'm sure you'd identify what the key moments of history are for your people, or perhaps even in your own life. If you could only have two key moments in your history, what would they be? What would your diary flick through to? Um, 
At least what he has here. He's, he's brought these two, these two key moments. And the reason he does this is because of what they stand for and what they mean. Egypt, for God's people, it meant, well, in many ways, it meant suffering. And it meant slavery. It meant uh, a place of, uh, uh, of difficulty, of challenge, of being a people oppressed. Um, it was where God had called them out of. God, um, in, the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, he calls Israel his firstborn son. And his son is captive uh, in Egypt. And now we see Matthew describing what happens to Jesus. He will identify with his people. He will find himself fleeing and in the place of Egypt, just like his people did. And so he comes to earth as, yes, a helpless baby, but not just that, as a refugee, as a migrant, as an outsider, and in a place that's not his own. He also brings onto the stage this exile, uh, which really was catastrophic for God's people. Uh, when, uh, when he does it, it's verse 18, where he's quoting from the prophet Jeremiah, who spoke of the exile. People were carried along the road. This, uh, the, the picture that's here of the exile is, is uh, uh, an old depiction of God's people being carried away. Now, they were actually carried on the road that would have gone from Bethlehem uh, north um, and up through. And Rama uh, was a place that was uh, uh, just a little further north of Bethlehem. Uh, and here, Rachel, who's mentioned in verse 18, um, is from further back in God's people's history. So it's got a, quite a long lens and quite a long view. And he's saying, look, here is, here is Rachel from, from uh, hundreds of years before. And she's weeping, if you like, for the descendants that she has lost for the loss to her family that comes down the line. The loss, the sorrow. And we see it on the news, don't we, when a tragic event occurs, when a terrible shooting occurs somewhere in the world. We then see family members mourn and sorrow over those lost lives. And people often speak of what has been lost that might have been the life that they hadn't yet lived that has been taken away from them. So why, why you wonder, is, is Matthew telling us these things? Why is he, is he bringing onto the stage these kind of big moments in God's people's history? And he's saying, do you see, Jesus stands in line with his people. His experience of going to Egypt, of being amidst this kind of sorrow in Bethlehem, as these boys were sought out and killed, he understands humanity. And it means he understands you and I. He's saying right from the start, he identifies with a broken humanity, with a suffering humanity. And he would do all his life. He would be familiar with sufferings. And if you have arrived this evening, and, uh, and that is you in some way, who, who, who knows you carry the weight of burdens and sorrows, whatever they may be in this life, he says, do you know, Jesus stands and he identifies. He is one of us. He knows what it is to face these things. Matthew wants to bring us just to realize uh, we see the Christmas card pictures sometimes uh, of a stable uh, and the baby, 
and it's all very well lit. Do you notice that sometimes in the Christmas cards? It's very well lit, and the animals are very peaceful, and the scene is domestic, uh, and in many ways it captures the, the, the beauty of Christmas. But there is another side to it too. You and I being told to pack our bags, that we must flee this night, we must leave everything behind. That's what Mary and Joseph and Jesus had to do. Jesus is familiar. He understands. He stands in line with us. Now, if Jesus is one of us, there is more that Matthew wants to say. And amidst what's going on here, he wants to say, Jesus is not only one of us, that he is hope for us. That he is hope for us. Let me try and um, show you uh, what I mean. Jesus is hope for us. So he says... As he brings these two prophets, if we go back to those prophets for a moment, why bring out Hosea, um, uh, who he quotes in verse 15, and Jeremiah um, in verse 18? One of the strange things about those two prophets, because they're they're both prophets uh, who wrote, and they didn't exactly have happy messages for their for for those they were writing to. Uh, They had some pretty uh, dark things to say, but both of the quotations that are here come at moments when both prophets say, do you know, amidst the darkness and the sorrow, hope is coming. Amidst what is going on, hope is coming. He says, out of Egypt, I called my son, in verse 15. And that is, um, is, uh, Hosea is looking back and saying, God once called his people out of Egypt. He called his son, God's people, his son Israel, out of Egypt. And so now it is happening again. He will call Jesus out of Egypt. He will call his eternal son out of the place of suffering. And it's as if he's trying to say to them, look, do you know hope is just starting to begin? Hope is just starting to begin. And so Jeremiah, when he walks on and he, uh, 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 his um, words are quoted, a voice is heard in Rama, weeping and great mourning. Um, <coughs> excuse me, the... Scholars and uh, archaeologists and historians think that Bethlehem was probably a town of about 500 people or so. It's their best estimates, based on the time, likely population. Now, if it was a town of about 500, they then calculate that probably, given the number of families there would have been, and on average, uh, the number of boys born, you may be looking at about 20 boys. It means that when Herod went seeking... Jesus, in order to kill him, he probably killed about 20 boys, two or under. You can imagine, if that was happening out in the streets, in perhaps in our part of Rushholm, the horror that would be, the sorrow that would be, the weeping that would happen in those homes where it had taken place. But in that moment of sorrow... That is when Jeremiah, speaking these words, says, your people will go into captivity. Many of them will die. And yet it is from there that I'm going to bring out hope for you and hope for you all. I have been trying to um, illustrate this um, recently. 
Um, and I've been trying to do so using um, uh, this uh, particular film, which is quite well known, the, um, the Star Wars film. Um, it's probably on at Christmas at this time of year, isn't it? Um, I can see a few of you nodding. Um, Star Wars, a uh, very famous film, and it began um, uh, with this very, fa- very famous scene. Uh, Princess Leia is here with a, a droid called R2-D2, and she is, um, she is uh, putting into his computer uh, the plans... Uh, of the uh, uh, of the the Death Star that uh, uh, the evil empire are building, and it is there uh, the the small rebellion that is beginning. It is the hope that they have is that they can get these plans to the right people that they can try and overthrow uh, this great evil empire. Um, I've been trying to illustrate what it means to feel this kind of sorrow and yet uh, a moment of hope that comes. Uh, because quite recently, some of you may know, uh, having bought out this great franchise of Star Wars, they've made recent films, and one of them, uh, which is called Rogue One, is a, a recent film uh, which depicts how they got those plans out. Now, the thing about it, it it's quite a melancholy film. Uh, it's a, a group of, uh, a, a, a folk who are trying to find these plans. Uh, almost all of them die along the way. They sacrifice their lives trying to do this. It's almost like a war film in its own way. It's quite melancholy. Uh, it's quite sad. But the, what the film is trying to do is to say, look, at the end of this, as they make it through, there is the glimmer, there is the beginning of hope. This is a very short clip from it. Make sure you secure the airlock and prepare the escape pods. Your Highness, the transmission we received. What is it they've sent us? Help. There you go. <laughs> You can go and watch the film now. Um, it, it's, a, it's quite a dramatic moment. It's pretty much the end of the film. It's basically saying, look, in all the sorrow that has happened, we end, they have found one way out, and it is the way of hope. And amidst what Matthew has in mind here, amidst the sorrow of those boys who died and the families who weep, one boy was kept alive, and one boy made his way out, the boy Jesus. And he says, you know, in that boy escaping, presumably parceled up and out of that place, hurried and along the roads, with that boy went our hope. I began with this uh, book, which is a fascinating read, and um, lots of insight into what it must be like to be the first lady. Um, And as she spoke about their experience at those funeral services um, for some of the shootings that had taken place amidst that kind of sorrow, uh, she spoke about her husband, Barack Obama, um, uh, the president, um, speaking at one after the Charleston church shootings and stopping in the midst of the service and then spontaneously leading the congregation in a soulful rendition of amazing grace. And everyone just began to join in with him, and they sang together. And Michelle Obama writes, it was a simple invocation of hope. 
It was a call to persist. And it's as if Matthew, as he presents us with this story, this other Christmas night, if you like, and says, this is the moment, it may not have looked like it, where hope began. And this is the moment of hope amid sorrow. There would come another moment of hope amid sorrow for him as a man as he grew as he died upon a cross for you and for me. And Matthew is writing to say, he is one of us. He knows what it is to be one of us, but he is also hope for us. So stick with him, reach out to him, and he will reach out to you. I think in a moment we're going to sing Uh, a lovely and haunting reminder of the hope that he was. I'll lead us in a prayer before we do that. On this Christmas night, may we know there was another for you. A night of hurried leaving and of danger But as you left into Egypt, a refugee, a migrant, an outsider, so as you were called out of there, you were God's hope for us. Father, thank you that you do know us. You are one of us. But thank you that you are more than that. Thank you that you are hope for us. Amen.